0: Thank you. 2022 is the summer of morning planets. Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, and Venus are all quite prominent, with Mercury stopping by in June. Throughout the summer, get up early to see the weeks where the moon drives by the planets, and maybe catch a few meteors in August as some of the planets return to the evening skies. Welcome to Observing with Webb, where a high school astronomy teacher tells you what you're looking at, why it's so cool, and what you should check out later this month at night. All right, so uh, it's right before vacation, and I am trying to pull together a full summer of 2022 version of the podcast. That way you have it for the entire summer, um, and I only have to do one instead of three, but um, here we go. So uh, we've. I'm going to go through the planets, uh, particularly the morning stuff, then talk about some of the events, and then I'll get into the Uh, constellations in general. So with that, why don't we get started by talking about the planets? Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. All right. So as far as sunset planets go, I'm going to wait to talk about that for a little bit because we only have them in August. So I'll come back to that right now we want to talk about the morning planets we've got venus mars jupiter and saturn all summer long in the morning so the basic setup here i'm going to talk about it from july to the end of august uh or sorry june to the end of august uh you've got the basic setup from left to right you have venus mars jupiter and saturn right all easily visible in the morning sky and what'll happen is in June they'll start within 70 degrees of each other okay and they'll end August with Venus and Saturn on complete opposite sides of the sky so how far apart are they from each other well let's take a look at this let's look at different times uh, let's start at the beginning of June uh, and we'll start with Venus because that's nice and bright Easy to find, okay? Venus will consistently be about 10 degrees above the eastern horizon. It's gonna be hard to miss. It's the brightest object in the morning sky. And it's basically in the same spot all month long. And so what happens then is on June 1st, if you start at Venus and look to the right, you have to look about 28 degrees or about 30 degrees. That's three fist widths if you hold them at arm's length. And then you'll find Mars and Jupiter right in the same area, okay? Um, now what happens though is in July, you're going to see Venus and then Mars will be about 42 degrees away from Venus to the right, which means that's four fist widths. Okay. And then in August, Venus and Mars will be 60 degrees apart. Okay. I would hold my finger and pinky out as far as they can go. That's about 15 degrees. So that's four of those from thumb to pinky, like a Shaka sign or whatever, hang loose. Um, four of those, and about 77 degrees on August 31st. So Venus and Mars spread further and further apart throughout the summer. What's also happening is Mars and Jupiter will be moving further apart. Uh, Now, Mars and Jupiter in the beginning of June are close together, uh, but on July 1st, Jupiter will have moved 20 degrees to the right of Mars. That's two fist widths. By August 1st, Jupiter will be 40 degrees away from Mars, so four fist widths. And then on August 31st, Jupiter will be 60 degrees, which will be four shaka signs or six fist widths. There you go. So Venus, Mars, and Jupiter get spread out in the mornings throughout the entire summer. And what also happens is Saturn is sort of spreading away, but not by much. In fact, in the beginning of June, Saturn is only about It's 38, technically, but about 40 degrees away from Jupiter, so four-fifths width. And then it only moves a couple degrees. Uh, By the end of August, it's only 46 degrees away from Jupiter, so Saturn is over there. So what you get is it's always going to be Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. They're just going to keep spreading out throughout the month. Uh, Last thing to note here is uh, Mercury. Uh, it kind of joins the party for much of June, uh, getting to within 10 degrees of Venus by mid-month. And what you have to do is just look down into the left of Venus. It's not going to be easy because it's close to the sun and dawn, but it, uh, it will be there. Okay. So don't forget, Venus is, again, consistently 10 degrees above the horizon, very, very bright, easy to find. Mars will be a little bit reddish, start off next to Jupiter, with Jupiter moving away. Mars creeps throughout the summer, ever closer to Taurus, ending up between the V of Taurus and the Pleiades by August 31st, which should be pretty cool to see in itself. Uh, Jupiter's just hanging around in Pisces. Uh, you can see the Galilean moons this is a good time to get just even a rudimentary telescope out or some binoculars and look to see the bright spots near Galileo or sorry near Jupiter which were the four moons that Galileo saw in his telescope. And also you can notice their motion day by day uh, or even hour by hour just look up every now and then and see how their position has changed. And um, you can also, if you look it up, you can see some times when the uh, shadow of one of those moons actually crosses Jupiter's surface, which makes an eclipse on the planet if you were able to stand there. And lastly, we've got Saturn, of course, just um, beautiful with a telescope. Just take a look at the rings, and it's just gorgeous. And see how big you can get it in your telescope, but um, focus on having a good view so those are the morning planets all summer but i want to go back a little bit and talk about saturn and jupiter because they become throughout the night planets right uh, saturn actually starts rising before midnight that's what i'm going to start here so if it, it becomes a throughout the night planet if it starts rising before midnight and what saturn does is it starts rising before midnight in the southeast in july and August, and it'll be visible into the mornings all summer off in the southwest. It actually starts to get hard to see uh, toward the end of um, August. But we also have Jupiter as a throughout-the-night planet, and it starts rising before midnight in uh, the southeast around mid-July, and will be visible into the morning all summer off toward the south. And lastly, let's talk about when we finally see some planets around sunset. One of the reasons I'm not bringing my telescope on this trip to the beach is that, um, well, where we're going, there's lots of light, so you can't see dark stuff. But then also because the um, you can't really see any planets at sunset right now. But in August, you should be able to see Saturn. Uh, the beginning. This is the beginning of this ringed planet's uh, nightfall appearance um that that schedule starts in august august 1st it rises at 9 30 p.m in the east southeast and is actually already up in the southeast about 10 degrees above the horizon by months end. and mercury jumps in there as well all of august you can look west right after sunset and you might be able to catch mercury less than 10 degrees above the horizon it's the first star appearing at dusk in that direction, um, and yeah, you should be able to see it. It might be might be tough to find since it's so dim, but uh, it definitely is there. So again, make sure you get out in the mornings, and um, yeah, go out. You can see all the planets. This is pretty unique. It just means you have to wake up early, but you know, you get what you get, right? So uh, let's uh, let's move on to some of the announcements all right so events really what we're looking at as far as the moon is that the first week of the of each month is going to be the evening crescent so we see a nice crescent moon right after sunset the first quarter moon will be um around the seventh sixth or fifth That's visible until midnight. And so then the second week of each month is when we have evening gibbous, when it's mostly lit up. Full moon is on June 14th, July 13th, and August 11th. So close to mid-month, a little bit early toward the end. Um, And that's when it's visible all night. The waning gibbous moons after that. That's when it's mostly lit and rise later at night for the third week of each month in this summer. And then the last quarter moon, which you can only see after midnight, uh, is June 20th, July 20th, and August 19th. So basically, yeah, that's when you can start observing before midnight and you can have good dark skies. Uh, Then the fourth week of each month will be morning crescents, where you look east in the morning. Uh, to find the moon. Um, and then finally, the new moon is on the 28th of June, July, and the 27th of August. So um, basically, you're looking at first week is Evening Crescents, second week is Evening Gibbous, third week is Waning Gibbous, and fourth week is the Morning Crescents. So let's talk about some um, events here. Let's, you know, what I'm going to start off talking about the Perseid meteor shower because that's really what we care about the most, and I'll talk about the close encounters quickly later. Uh, so the Perseid meteor shower is that classic summer meteor shower. Uh, you can typically see like 60 meteors per hour in really dark skies, but we don't have really dark skies, and the reason for that is we have a full moon right smack dab in the middle now um the problem is is that that light pollution gets into the sky just like we see blue light during the day because of the sun the sun's light scattering the moon's light does the same thing but to a much lesser extent so we see a little bit of light pollution up there and so you can't see some of the darker or sorry less bright meteors um plus your night vision gets ruined by the full moon. You take a look at it, and, and and you no longer have your night vision, so you can't see the dimmer ones that you were able to anyway. So, um, you, however, don't give up because you never know when you might get a really bright one. Also, the um, uh, the shower is technically active from mid July to late August, so you might see something in the days leading up to or afterward. But remember that you're looking at uh, bits of dust left over from Comet Swift tuttle burning up as they crash into the atmosphere. And they're doing that at 37 miles per second. Okay? Um, I'm not going to go too much more into detail, but hey, if you're out there uh, beginning of beginning mid-August, see if you see something. Just take a quick look. All right? Now, we also have some close encounters. Okay. Uh, so let's start in mid-June. You've got June 17th to the 27th. I'm just going to call this June's Lunar Close Encounters. The Moon, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, and Venus. And uh, it's really too much to fit into one thing here. But basically, just go out from June 17th to the 27th and check out the Moon passing by those planets. It'll pass by Saturn first, then Jupiter, then Mars, then Venus. Because I know we talked from left to right uh, but the Moon's going to be moving from the right to the left of that lineup. Okay, June 21st is the summer solstice. It's the longest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, and um, then nothing goes on until July 15th. And because the planets are more spread out, I'll talk about each time the Moon actually gets by them. So the Moon will pass by Saturn first on July 15th and 16th. It'll be down and to the right of Saturn on the 15th and down to the left of Saturn on the 16th, starting 10.45 p.m. due southeast. Oh, yeah, get out your uh, pen or pencil for this, or uh, just go and check out the show notes, or go to the YouTube channel. uh, You can see this, um, or just sign up for the email, and you can get this in your email, so you don't have to worry about listening to me or writing things down. So, The uh, 19th, we have a close encounter between the Moon and Jupiter. Okay, The Moon is down and to the left of Jupiter by just 4 degrees, starting 12.30 a.m., due east. Two days later, the Moon gets close to Mars on July 21st, just 3 degrees to the right of Mars, starting at 1.15 a.m., due east. Then, on the 26th, You've got a close encounter between the moon and Venus, right? Because it keeps on moving. And you have a wonderfully thin crescent moon just four degrees above bright Venus. And you can see this starting at 4.15 a.m. Now, the... um, then that's the close encounters of the, for the Moon for July. Then you move into August. Now, August 11th, remember we said there was a Perseid meteor shower, but it is also a close encounter between the Moon and Saturn. The Moon will be just 5 degrees below Saturn and visible after sunset in the southeast. You've got the meteor shower, and then a couple days later, August 15th, the Moon is by Jupiter again, uh, to the right of Jupiter by just 5 degrees. Visible starting 1030. Then three days later, on August 18th, the moon is close to Mars, just three degrees above Mars. Visible starting midnight uh, on the 18th due east. And lastly, the 25th, uh, we have a close encounter between the moon and Venus. That's a whole week later. You've got a very thin crescent moon that is just seven degrees above Venus. Visible starting at 5:20. AM. So, uh, again, basically a quick summary is meteor shower, August, uh, 11th to 12th, if you're lucky. Uh, but go out there and see when the moon passes by these morning planets that happens between June 17th and 27th, July 15th and 26th and August 11th to the 25th. So there you go. Um, let's move on to some constellations. (laughs) So, um, basically with the constellations right now, I'm gonna go through three groups of them, all right? Spring, summer, and then some of the fall ones you can see in the morning. Now, the after-dinner, before-bed constellations, um, those will be the spring constellations and summer. Now, spring will probably be more toward the west. The summer will be more toward the east, depending on when you look. But the spring constellations, you've got the Big Dipper, Bootes, Virgo, Corona Borealis, and Hercules. So here's what you do. Gaze almost vertically as you face the northwest, and you'll easily find the Big Dipper. Seven very bright stars, they form a spoon shape. And if you take the handle of the Big Dipper, follow its curve to the next bright star you see, about 20 degrees away, that is Arcturus. That's where we get the phrase, follow the arc to Arcturus." That's the brightest star in Bootes, which looks like a kite, but it's technically a shepherd. Take that same curve and follow it about another 20 degrees to speed on to Spica, the brightest star in Virgo. Now, go back to Bootes. And just to the left of Botes are seven stars that form the northern crown Corona Borealis, which really looks more like a small bowl or a sea in the sky. And uh, if you continue a little further to the left, you'll find the keystone asterism, which is part of the constellation Hercules. Now, if you're looking for an extra challenge, you can look for M13, which is the Hercules cluster in between two of Hercules' keystone stars. Uh, It's known as the best globular cluster in the northern skies, and it will be a fuzzy spot in binoculars and will be even cooler through a telescope. So that's the spring constellations. Let's talk about those summer ones a little more off to the east. You've got Lyra, Cygnus, and Aquila. And if you look pretty much straight above you, find the brightest star up there. You'll notice that there's a parallelogram attached to it or just off to the side and the star that you found is the brightest star of the summer called Vega which is the brightest star in the constellation Lyra the Harp. Now directly above you will be Cygnus the Swan with its brightest star Deneb and it will look like a large cross and if you look out a little bit further it can look like a swan flying above you. Now below Cygnus and Lyra is the third constellation of the summer triangle. Aquila the Eagle, with its brightest star, Altair. Now these three bright stars uh, in this one, they can easily be confused for Orion's belt, given their similar size, but they are not in line as straight, and they are part of a bigger diamond shape. You can just use a star chart also to find the small constellation Delphinus and Sagittarius in the area as well. Uh, But this is, I like this part because you can see, uh, even if you're in a beach, like a beach city, beach town, and there's too many lights, you can still see the Summer Triangle, which is the brightest stars of those three constellations. And then, um, oh, well, here come the Fall Constellations, which you can see if you get up early uh, before work or to see those planets, Uh, just look directly south and most of the way up you'll be able to find the very big and almost perfect square of Pegasus, the winged horse. Now if you look to the top left of the square, you'll see three pairs of stars creating a neat double curve to the left and up from that corner star. Now that is Andromeda, and if you have a little extra time, Find the middle pair of stars and connect them with a line, and then move toward the inside of the curve about the same distance as those two stars are apart. And that's where you'll find the Andromeda Galaxy, which is just a small faint fuzzy with your naked eye. Uh, The cool part is, though, is that you're looking at billions of stars that are 2.9 million light years away. And they're spread out about 150,000 light-years across. What that means is light from a star on one side of the galaxy, it takes light 150,000 years to go from one side of the galaxy to the other. And it also means that it took 2.9 million years for the light that you're seeing from that galaxy to reach your eyeball. Which is quite remarkable. Anyway, that is it for the summer of 2022. No huge events, but plenty of lunar close encounters, plenty of planets to see, and maybe a meteor shower if you're lucky. But as always, those constellations are good to get familiar with. So with that, I would like to wish you very clear dark skies for the summer of 2022.